but he's pure, you know? No fear, no, no hesitations, nothing. He's fast as you. And he's faster. I was wondering when you were going to show up. You've been the subject of many of my sermons these past few days. I heard. You heard. But did you listen? Let's take a walk. Is that your son? Adopted. One of five. Wayward boys. Not unlike me or you at that age. You turn your life around. Doesn't change what you did. I wouldn't want it to. I know it sounds cold, but... Every good I've done hinged on the evil I did that day. I was in a dark place in my life. Numb to the chaos and work right here. But when they cut that boy's throat. Oh, Jesus, man, no! That boy they killed is my brother. I can bring him back. In my heart, I'm sorry. Ended up in prison, but it was there that I found my calling. To save and help boys like me and like you. It was there that I gave my life to God. God can't save you from me. But maybe he can save you from yourself. I know this good. In you. you don't know me. I know the devil got your heart twisted. The vengeance and hate. But the Lord is merciful. He sees in your soul. Your sermon's over. And you at least find it in your heart to forgive me for what I did. I can't. That's all right. I forgive you for what you're about to do. Lord, see into this man's heart is good inside. Oh, Lord, save this man's soul. I know you see his heart. Who's that writing? It's John Lido. Release him from the bondage of hatred of Avengers, Lord. Oh, that writing? John Welcome to Sweet Play Podcast. This is your host with the most, Mike Mac Masunas. How's everybody doing today? I'm doing great. It's Saturday. It feels good to be back behind the mic, just relaxing today. Just got done watching some faster. I'm excited to be talking this film. You know, granted, this isn't the first time I've done a Dwayne The Rock Johnson film, but the first time around was kind of lame. You know, I really only talked about it for 20 minutes because Andrew had to go. And this time I actually get to spend time on a movie that uh, I feel is really his most underrated film. So I'm very, very excited to be talking about that today. And uh, and I'm really excited from the feedback we got from the last episode. Last episode was Cool as Ice, Guilty Pleasure, where I had Jameson come on. And uh, I had a lot of good feedback that uh, you guys felt that me and Jameson not only did good, but uh, we sounded really good together and sounded like we had been podcasting for uh, quite a long time and, and that was great feedback to hear thank you guys so much and i'm glad you guys enjoyed it uh i had a blast on that episode it was super fun he had super super fun so anybody who's come over from the movie mojo monthly uh side of things i want to thank you so much for uh for sticking around for the stl and don't worry jameson will definitely be back on 
on this show again. And, and in fact, I actually have a new podcast that's going to be coming up in the next few weeks, which I'll get into details about that towards the end of the show. I'm very, very excited about it. In fact, uh, I'm, I'm so excited about it that it's actually going to impact the show just a little bit, not too much, but I'll get into the details of that. But before we get into all the good, fun stuff of uh, talking about that and the music spotlight and all that good stuff, let's get into some good old movie and music news. First up in movie news, Red Dawn. Now, Red Dawn is a film uh, back in the 80s, which starred uh, Patrick Swayze and uh, Jennifer Grey was actually in that film. And uh, that was something that was talked about a long time ago about me eventually reviewing that movie. And it will eventually come up, but there's a remake that's come up and it's been shelved for a little while, but we finally got the poster and we finally got the trailer. And the cool thing is, is Thor, uh, Chris uh, Chris Helmsworth, is actually uh, in this movie, which I'm very excited about because I really enjoy him in, uh, in Thor. And uh, if you go ahead and check out the trailer, and originally in this, uh, in the original, we had Patrick Swayze, we had C. Thomas Howell, we had Charlie Sheen. Uh, so we had a lot of good actors in that. But uh, the poster finally came out, and the trailer finally came out on that. Looks really good. I'm pretty excited for it. Red Dawn's one of those movies that people know about, but it's not necessarily considered like a quote-unquote cult film or considered just a classic film. It's just like one of those movies like, oh yeah, I know that film. So I'm excited that this movie got a remake and I really enjoy having Thor in there. So go check out that trailer. It was pretty good stuff and I'm pretty excited for this film. Now, uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Love that film and I especially love part two, The Bogus Journey. There's so much good fun times in part two. And of course, there's been talks for part three for a very long time. Of course, Keanu Reeves really wanted to separate himself from the kind of stupid surfer kind of roles that he had in the past with Point Break and 
and uh, Bill and Ted, and of course, doing speed and everything. But eventually, he's kind of embraced his past, and uh, we are going to have a part three. And we officially have the director of the film. It's going to be Dean uh, Persat, which is from Galaxy Quest fame. He is uh, tapped to helm the uh, the second sequel to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. So, of course, Keanu Reeves and Alex Winter are going to be back to reprise their roles as Bill and Ted. So it will be. Uh, I'm excited for it. It's going to be good times. And uh, and uh, you know, of course, when it happens, it happens. I have no idea exactly when it's going to start. But it should hopefully be coming around to, you know, we should get some more news on it pretty soon. So I'm looking forward to it. Going to be some very good times. All right. Now, with the uh, with the Expendables coming up next week, you know, I've been in full Expendables mode. In fact, I watched the Comic-Con panel of the Expendables 2. And, man, it was some good times with Arnold and, and Stallone going at each other. And I actually saw a clip that they showed to the audience and I have to say the clip was just so amazing I wish I could tell you guys about it but let's just say this if you ever see a clip that says Expendables 2 airport clip don't watch it okay because if you watch it there's something that's so cool that happens in the uh, in the clip that you're gonna just like stand up and cheer now of course me telling you not to do this you're gonna go ahead and do it so I guess I'll just do reverse psychology. Go watch this clip because if you go watch it, then you won't watch it. But anyways, uh, you know, there's some jokes about um, uh, what Schwarzenegger's movies are going to be coming up. And I'm excited for it. one of them's The Tomb, which he's going to be in with Stallone, where they're kind of on like this uh, unescapable ship in the middle of the ocean. And they, of course, figure out a way to escape. And then there's another movie that uh, Schwarzenegger is going to be doing. But, of course, they brought up the topic of twins, you know, come doing a sequel to that. And then Van Damme is actually in the works of trying to get uh, Double Impact. He's trying to get a sequel of that in the works, get that thing rolling. Which, you know, I did like Double Impact. I mean, it's definitely not a, a life-changing film by any way, but it was a good film. And, uh, I mean, it's it's as good as Van Damme gets. Well, technically, the best Van Damme gets is Time Cop. I mean, to me, that's his most superior film. I love Time Cop. I mean, that's an excellent, you know, four-star film. No doubt about it, even without watching it. Uh, just trying to review it. I just I love that film. It's my favorite Van Damme film. You know, Bloodsport is great, nostalgia factor, but it's his first movie, and there's problems with that film. I love Time Cop. Uh, Double Impact's cool. So, supposedly he's got a plan of getting the sequel rolling for that. So, we shall see how that goes. And you're probably wondering about Seagal not making it in Expendables 2. I mean, Expendables 2 has everybody, which I'm super pumped for. But I guess the, uh, Steven Seagal and Van Damme really hate each other. There's just a, there's just been a really long war going on. I mean, there's this talk about Seagal and the producer because the, the certain producer produces Expendables. That's why he doesn't want to be in it. But... I think really it could possibly be that just the whole feud that's really going on between Van Damme and Seagal. But we don't know, of course. That's all just talk, talk, rumor, all that good stuff. But they are having plans for a part three. And then, of course, having a part three, Seagal is uh, hopefully going to be in the running to be in that film. And uh, for all you fans of the Hangover films, Hangover 1 and 2... 
Uh, from Hangover 1, Heather Graham, she played uh, Jade. She was a hooker in the first one. When they make part three, she is set to make a return into that film because she was not in part two, but she will be returning in uh, Hangover 3. So for anybody who actually cares, I just wanted to let you guys know that you can expect to see Heather Graham in the next Hangover 3 film. And for the last bit of news, The Dark Knight Rises has officially uh, been number one for three weeks now. Total Recall just recently came out, and it only hit number two at the box office. Dark Knight Rises is still number one after three weeks. It's made over $700 million. It's very close to being another flick that hits $1 billion. So, uh, so it's pretty cool, man. I'm excited. Dark Knight Rises definitely kicking some major booty, even despite tragedies that have happened and uh you know the popularity of uh, the dark knight it's pretty cool to see that uh it's going to be hitting one billion dollars as far as overall i think avengers is still number one for the year but you know who cares the two biggest movies of the year are superhero films as far as total recall goes anybody of you guys have seen that let me know i haven't checked it out yet uh, i've only heard one person comment on how much they you know from a friend of mine who who loved the film thought it was better than the original and uh, everybody else i keep hearing just completely hated it so just let me know what you think about total recall so that's what i have for movie news now uh, let's get into some music news all right now with music news i'm going to be changing it up in uh, probably the next episode you know since music news it doesn't really come out as much as movie news does what I'm going to be doing is I'm going to be kind of reformatting it a little bit. If I find anything interesting, I'll talk about it. But what I'm really going to be doing is is uh, from now on, I'm going to be checking out the iTunes charts. And I'm going to be picking, uh, you know, specific categories, you know, per episode. And uh, just kind of go through the, uh, the top 10, top 20 songs that are on iTunes. And uh, just kind of talk about the, the really good ones, the ones that kind of are impactful, the ones that I, I really dig ones that I'm not really digging too much so you know like one episode I'll pick like pop rock the next one I'll pick like uh, you know R&B soul whatever just kind of change it up a little bit just because music news uh, as I said isn't really as overflowing but uh, the charts always change you know every Tuesday there's always a new song that comes out or there's a new album that comes out so I kind of want to start highlighting that you know start highlighting the, the new music that's come out on iTunes, what's really noteworthy to check out, uh, what you might dig, what you might not dig. That's kind of what I'm going to be doing going forward. I'm going to be starting that on the Expendables episode. So hopefully you'll like that change. Uh, but as far as this week goes, just a couple different things. Lauren Hill, uh, which Lauren Hill, I first saw her in Sister Act 2. I thought she was really amazing, and then when I saw her in the Fugees, you know, of course, the big song was Killing Me Softly. I was like, hey, that's the girl from Sister Act 2. You know, beautiful voice. She's definitely great, but, you know, she's been out of the game for quite a while. She's finally hit the charts after about 10 years, so uh, so it's pretty cool. Um, she's got uh, Repercussions is out. It's kind of like uh, the name of her album. And uh, it leaked originally in 2010, but the official release has come out. And uh, it's really, I guess, it could be the title track of her album. But go check it out if you're a fan of Lauryn Hill. It's some good times. You can go over to iTunes and you can go check her out. No doubt, as we all know, you know, Gwen Stefani has been out doing solo stuff for quite a while. 
No Doubt finally got back together. Their new album is called Push and Shove. They got the new artwork out, which is pretty cool. And uh, that album will be dropping to us very shortly. Mariah Carey, the new host of American Idol, she's got a new single out called Triumphant. It's got Ricky Ross and Meek Mill in the single. So go check that one out. Looks, It's been pretty popular. I know originally when I clicked into it in iTunes, it said it was not available in the American store. And I hate it when that happens. But now it's finally good. It's finally on there. And then uh, anybody out there who is a fan of Toby Mac, you know, I played some of his music on the show. His new album, which will be coming out about August 28th, his new album is called Eye On It. You can actually check out the whole entire album on iTunes. You can get uh, about a minute samples, about a minute and 30 seconds of each song, so that way you can preview it, check it out. And uh, and I love it, man. I think it's great based on what I heard. Sounds like it could definitely be the best. So as far as music news goes, uh, the last bit is Whitney Houston's last album is set to drop in the fall. So be on the lookout for that, all you Whitney Houston fans. It will be the last album that we get from uh, Whitney Houston. So I'm looking forward to it. So that is it, guys, for uh, for music news. And like I said, starting next week on The Expendables, I'll be starting to review the music charts. Uh, just kind of change it up a little bit just because the music news section kind of gets a little bit boring. Uh, and, uh, the, you know, it's not as exciting as the movie news. So uh, as far as TV news goes, I don't have any. And, uh, and I'll kind of get into that towards the at the end of the episode uh, when I talk about some uh, some changes and new podcasts and all that other fun stuff. So that is what I have for movie and music news. Don't have anything for TV news right now. So uh, so let's get into the review of uh, Dwayne The Rock Johnson in Faster. Hey, help you, We got our shooter. It's not just fear, that's recognition. He knew him. Turns out some gang ambushed them and killed his brother. Smile for the camera. It took me 10 whole years to track down these people for you. I'm gonna kill them all. Smile for the camera. Please don't hurt me. I'm not gonna hurt you. There's been another shooting. We got a hunch it might be our guy. They've all got records, armed robbery, rape, assault. Now it seems like he's going after everyone on his list. I've been inspecting you. Witness has placed the second shooter at the scene. So they had a little shootout in the hall. You think you're done? That's one more. It's pure. No hesitation. He's fast as you. He's faster. I've got you now, mate. Better be sure, because that's a long, dark road you're headed down. Where are you? How did the devil got your heart twisted? Vengeance and hate. Can you find it in your heart to forgive? I can't. All right, faster time. Now, one of the biggest reasons why I'm very excited about doing this film is I really feel it's the most underrated rock film that there is. And I think the biggest problem with this film in regards to why it's not really that big is the fact of this was the comeback of of Dwayne Johnson. See, uh, you know, when he started off, he uh, he made uh, his uh, little cameo in The Mummy Returns. And then, you know, he made his his, fe- his feature film debut as uh, the Scorpion King. 
and uh, and it was good but obviously after i've seen all of his movies now looking back at it it's not really that great and then after the scorpion king he made uh, the rundown with sean william scott which was consi- which is considered like a, a really good buddy cop kind of film and then uh, you know it was definitely received well and then after that was my favorite walking tall that was the movie that once my wife saw she definitely loved the rock she thought it was really great and then, uh, and then, Gridiron Gang was uh, was his most, you know, obviously it was a dramatic film, and I don't think that this one's um, underrated because of the fact of it did get a lot of props when it came out. You know, it's based on uh, a true story about uh, you know a bunch of gang activity and uh, and these kids that instead of being sent to jail, they're sent to like this uh, kind of like this detention, kind of like a, a jail for kids. And uh, they're taught football to, you know, deal with their anger and everything like that. And and it had Exhibit in it, the rapper. And it was a very dramatic, really crazy film. But what was really cool is at the end of the film, they actually had the real guy that Rock was portraying uh, showing real footage, you know. And you actually got to see The Rock do drama and cry. It was just, it was really good. It was really heart-wrenching. It was a really great film. And then after that, he decided that he wanted to take a family approach. So he did the game plan. The game plan was his first Walt Disney film. I really enjoy it. To me, the game plan is one of the uh, one of my all-time favorite family films. It was, it had a lot of comedy in it. It had a lot of heart to it. Uh, it was definitely made for everybody. Adults could watch it. Kids could watch it. It was great. And then, uh, and then the whole, you know, granted he was in Be Cool where he played kind of like a, a gay Samoan bodyguard dancer, which was funny. I mean, he definitely stole the show and Be Cool. But really, uh, his, his resume started to change a little bit. You know, you guys know me. I'm the biggest Dwayne Johnson fan there is on the face of the planet. So I was full-blown support of this guy. You know, after after Be Cool, he did Doom, which for me, Doom is a great guilty pleasure. You know, it's basically uh, like it's supposed to be like the video game, but it's like a horror movie. And and it was oh, it, it was the first movie that he was in that just got terrible, terrible reviews and everything. And uh, and that movie is definitely a love it or hate it film. And really, Gridiron Gang really came out after Doom. But uh, I I remember seeing Gridiron Gang before Doom. And then he was in like uh, Reno 911, kind of like a little cameo. But Southland Tales came out and got a you know he was really rated good. The movie was just really off the wall crazy. You know it's from the same guy that brought you Donnie Darko. So Southland Tells is definitely an interesting movie, but he definitely got a lot of great uh, review for that. And then he was in Get Smart. He was Agent 23. Uh, that's kind of, you know, one of those movies that, you know, I I don't really hear too much about it. Well, yeah, I like it or yeah, I, I don't. But Race to Witch Mountain, you know, I really enjoy that film as Walt Disney film. Uh, but it had a lot of action in it, which uh, his co-star in this film, which is one of the reasons why she's in this film, uh, is uh, one of the girls that the, he works with in Race to Witch Mountain is actually the detective in this film. But then he did Planet 51 where he was the voiceover and uh, it just seemed like he was just down the kid wrote you know it's like you would see him on hannah montana you would see him all over the disney channel it was great you know i mean my kids definitely were like hey that's the rock you know and they didn't know him as the as the cool you know awesome wrestler the guy that could just beat you up with his words they knew him as the guy from the game plan and the guy from planet 51 and 
and stuff like that, which which is fine. You know, I, I think it's great that he went down the kid way because Arnold Schwarzenegger did the same thing. You know, Kindergarten Cop is definitely a great and respectable film. But, you know, when you start going down Junior Road, uh, that's kind of when things start to kind of go off the wall. So, you know, and he had a contract with Disney. So it was like a five-year contract. So the two fairy. Now, even yours truly, the one that's supporting The Rock and everything he does. When I was watching the two fairy about 25 to 30 minutes in, I said, he even doesn't want to be in this film. And I just didn't feel right watching it. I mean, he just felt like, why, you know, th- I've reached the bottom. You know, I've hit rock bottom, you know, pun intended. And uh, and I just, you know, it's great for kids but, you know, even me as an adult, it didn't, I couldn't get into it. It wasn't like the game plan. It wasn't smart like the game plan. It definitely wasn't one that could, uh, to reach the kids and adults. It could only reach the kids and the adults would be like, ugh, I don't want to watch this crap. So Faster was the movie that was going to get him back to his action roots. You know, you when I saw him, because in the Two Fairy, the dude's small. I mean, obviously, uh, he's he's a big, muscular guy. But in the Two Fairy, I was like, man, he is officially not as big as he used to be. So when I saw the first photo of him coming out of the jail and faster, I was like, oh, check out the rock, man. He's flipping huge. I mean, it was like he was the biggest that he had ever been, which was so flipping great. And I was very excited about because I heard Billy Bob Thornton was going to be in. I was like, I love Billy Bob Thornton. And I heard it's going to be like a 70-ish kind of feel, like a good old revenge flick, kind of like a death wish kind of feel. And I was like, I'm down for that. And then uh, and then Faster came out and, uh, and, you know, it just didn't seem to be the hit that I thought that it was going to be. But it did tell people that, hey, I am done with kids' movies. Because after that, he got into The Other Guys, where he was with Samuel Jackson. That was really good. And then, of course, Fast Five was the big one, the big one that changed everything. You know, it reinvented the, the Fast and the Furious franchise, and everybody could not wait to see, uh, you know, The Rock versus Vin Diesel. And that was the movie where he brought back The Rock. You know, it was the game plan was the last movie where he used Dwayne The Rock Johnson. And then for Fast Five, it was Dwayne The Rock Johnson again. Now, when Journey 2 came out, I was a little nervous because I'm like, oh no, he's doing a family film again. Why are you doing that after you just did, after you just tried to prove your point? But. Uh, Journey 2 was good though because it was like the game plan where it was a family adventure film and Michael Caine was in it so it made it even that much better and it was just very enjoyable. The 3D was great. It was funny. I had a blast with that movie and it was good. And then of course we knew G.I. Joe Part 2. He, Him and Bruce Willis were going to be tearing it up. And then, you know, we didn't know if next summer is, uh, as I talked with Jameson, we're getting Fast 6, Pain and Gain, uh, Snitch. I'm just excited for next year. It's going to be some good times. So with Faster, you would think it's just a normal, you know, revenge flick, you know. But what's really great is it gives you an interesting twist on the whole revenge flick. See, on the surface, this movie looks like your typical, you know, they killed the one I love. I need to go and kill everybody that killed the one I love. But at its core, it's about forgiveness, and, and it was a great twist, and I'll totally get into that. Uh, but that's one of the biggest reasons. I mean, granted, The Rock's in it, and yeah, it automatically is like, okay, I love it. But 
to me, when I watched it, it was like, wow, this isn't a typical normal revenge flick. This is something different than, you know, I mean, it's definitely not life changing. I mean, of course, there are some cliches in the film that you can see um, a mile away. But there's other scenes that are just like, wow, that's some great stuff. So let's get into it. So the film came out in uh, 2010, came out in November uh, 2010. It was directed by George Tillman Jr. So we got Dwayne Johnson. We got some Billy Bob Thornton. Uh, Carla uh, Gungino, which is the one that I was talking about, she was originally in Sin City. If you've seen Sin City, she's the one that like bites her arm off or something like that. She was like naked and then she like bites her arm off. But she's also in Race to Witch Mountain, which is how she got in the film because of the fact of she they those two work so good together. We got Maggie Grace in the film. We have Oliver Jackson Cohen in the film. And uh and it's some good stuff. The movie uh, had a budget of twenty four million. It did make money. Uh the box office is about thirty five million. However, I mean it's obviously not a, a humongous you know, gross at the box office, which really I think is just because of the whole baggage of the two fairy is what really, you know, really changed. I think if this movie would have came out, you know, like if he would have did another movie, let's say like Fast Five came out after the two fairy and this movie came out after Fast Five, I think it would have done like way more money than it would have done before. That's how I really feel about this. I think it's just bad timing. It's just this movie has picked up uh, during DVD sales and and Blu-ray sales. People really appreciated the film. But box office wise, the whole two fairy thing just kind of brought it down. So let's get to the overall plot of the film and some of the great stuff that, that happens. So film begins with Driver, which that's his name in the film. Dwayne Johnson is Driver. And he's getting released from prison after uh, after he's being talked to by the warden of the film, which very small role played by Tom Berenger, which, you know, of course, Tom Berenger was just in a recent episode that I talked about him in, which was Major League. So it was definitely good to uh, to see him again. Now, something that's really cool in this film, Rock only says like 30 words the whole film. It's just his body. It's just his body language and just his mission. He, he very rarely talks. If the, anything with the script, it probably has one page of dialogue, which is something that's pretty cool. So uh, he's sitting there listening to the warden talk to him. All he wants to do is, is get out. So once the clock hits his time, he just uh, he exits and, uh, and he breaks into a run. Movie starts off. He continues running until he gets to his car. And uh, it also has this revolver. It's a it's a Ruger uh, Alaskan revolver. So really cool looking gun. It's pretty flipping awesome. But he gets to his car. He gets the gun, and then uh, and then he drives to an office in Bakersfield where he decides to where he kills his first victim. Because inside the car we had uh, we'll find out that uh, a person put the information he needs inside the car because he's been he's basically been in prison for about ten years. And he's got in money because he was the, the 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 inmate that was able to get the most contraband than anybody else. So he's made a lot of money in jail. And he has these certain lines on his arm that once you see them, you know not to mess with this guy. Because originally when he pulls the top off the car, 
you're just like, okay, if a car has been sitting there for that long, because originally you don't know how long the car has been there, you would think the car wouldn't work. You know that the oil has been sitting there too long, gas has been sitting there too long, but then when he opens the glove compartment, you can see that somebody said, I hope you enjoy the ride. I got you. There's a gun in there, and then there's paperwork of the people, uh, where they work, where they live, so on and so forth. So the first person he goes is Courtney Gaines, which Courtney Gaines biggest place i remember him from is the burbs he was the real funky uh crazy younger kid uh real crazy looking kid and then also can't buy me love he's also patrick dempsey's best friend and can't buy me love so he's got some facial hair up in this movie but he drives to an office in bakersfield and he's a telemarketer and he blows his brains out his brains explode all over the cubicle so immediately you're just like holy crap this is the first five minutes in the movie and you got blood you got guts all over somebody's cubicle so you're like wow we are no longer in the tooth fairy we are no longer in the game plan we got the rock back but uh, he's better than ever because he's never made a movie quite like this before so uh, Driver then goes to the man that gave him the car and the gun, which is a cool cameo appearance by Mike Epps, which Mike Epps you'll know from uh, you know Resident Evil 3, he, uh, Resident Evil 2, and Evil Resident, uh, Resident Evil 3, and he's just a real, he was in the Friday movies, really funny guy, and, uh, and forces him to give the names and information of the rest of the people that are on the list that he requested. Of course, Mike's Epps, uh, Mike Epps thug, uh, you know, cause he wants more money and he's like, fine. The price just went down. Uh, once his thug sees the lines on his arm, he's like, you're messing, you know, you're messing with the ghost here. And then of course, Mike Epps, uh, gives him the rest of the information so he can complete his mission. Uh, there's a picture of a girl, there's a picture of an old man, older man. And then there's a picture of uh, two black guys. So, uh, so he's got his list. He's ready to rock and roll. Now there's actually, um, there's a, a detective, uh, Cicero, which is played by Carla, who are on the case to track him down. And then there's also this cop by the name of Cop, uh, played by Billy Bob Thornton. What's really cool is there's uh, three different names. We have uh, we have Driver, which is uh, Dwayne Johnson. We have Cop, which is Billy Bob Thornton. Then we have Killer, which is uh, Oliver Jackson Cohen. And all of this takes place within a, a couple of days. They actually break it down for you. It takes place within five days, this whole entire story. Now, uh, Cop is uh, about to retire. Now, they uh, investigate the office crime scene and the video of the security camera. Now, Cicero gets a break in the case when she recognizes who Driver is. Uh, Later, uh, the overachieving and mentally unstable hitman, Killer, shows up. And uh, he is actually hired to kill Driver. And he has a girlfriend. Her name is Lily, played by Maggie Grace. And he tells her that this is going to be the last job. Now, Killers are definitely an interesting character. Uh, what I mean by he's uh, he's mentally unstable because towards the end of the film, he starts to talk about how he's unappreciated and uh, and all this stuff, and he's not taking his medication. But the guy is really, you know, I'll talk about the details about him in a little bit. But he is he is definitely a very interesting and fun character in this film. Now, Driver heads to the second name on the list. It's this old man who films his own personal snuff films. And he, like, drugs a girl. And, of course, he's going to rape her, of course. And then in the middle of filming, um, he uh, he has Driver bust into his house uh, and blows his brains out all over the floor. 
I mean, it, this is a violent movie, man. And then, uh, of course, the girl's like, please don't hurt me. And then, like, his second word of the film is, I'm not going to hurt you. And then he walks out. And then uh, dry, a Killer actually tracks him down. And they get into this big old fight in the hallway. And he's got a death wish, man, because Driver driver walks towards gunfire. Like, the, the killer starts to shoot at him. He just turns around, and he just starts walking and shooting, walking and shooting. I mean, it's flipping amazing man it's some good stuff and of course killer he's not used to some dude not only not being afraid of him but shooting back and walking at him with no fear so of course that kind of intimidates him a little bit now uh psychologically of course it's kind of messing with them but he eventually killer proposes to lily and uh and he says he's going to retire of course but of course, things change where he decides to change his mind after because originally as he's a very smart kid, uh, pretty financial, wealthy guy. But due to some leg problems, he was unable to walk. And you can see that this guy's had surgery done to replace his legs so he can walk. So he does a lot of uh, uh, yoga. And, of course, there's the line where he says, I beat in yoga, you know, which I'll talk about in a little bit. But uh, that's the kind of guy we're dealing with here where he is where he's unstable, you know, kind of like that. So then uh, it's revealed that cop has a drug problem, of course, uh, as does his ex-wife, Marina. And she's played by uh, Moon uh, Moon Bloodgood. I know it's kind of a kind of a funny name, but she's definitely an actress that uh, has has done a lot of different things. And, and Cop and Cicero investigate Driver's past, and they discover that he was actually double crossed after he robbed the bank with his brother. Now he didn't actually rob the bank; he was just a driver. And uh, Cicero remembers uh, Driver from a video of his brother's death, uh, which was filmed by the man that uh, was going to rape that little girl. Uh, on tape, they show that uh, not only is Driver's brother is, uh, you know, his neck is slit open, but his head is actually, he gets a bullet in the head by an identified man. And because of the fact of nobody, the killers weren't identified, the case kind of went cold, but uh, he died. And then he actually came back to life, and of course he got a metal plate in the back of his head to fix his skull. So he, so at one point, driver actually did die after getting the bullet in the head. But as he likes to say in the alternate ending, it's a curse to kill him, and uh, he just he just happened to live. You know, kind of the will to survive. So um, driver goes to his old girlfriend's house. Now you actually think he's going to kill this girl, which was a really smart move because she's on the list. You see uh, this kid coming out of the house, going to school. You see her um, feeding a baby. And then you're just like, wow, he's going to go that far. He's going to murder her and he's going to murder the baby. So at this point you're kind of like, wow, could you like your antagonist, you know? But you actually, after he gets a slap in the face, you do find out it's actually his old girlfriend uh, who's actually married with two kids. And uh, she stopped actually visiting him in prison at his request and not to, t- not to you know, have any contact with them. And then uh, he actually thought the kid that went to school was his son. But uh, she said that, no, you know, do the math. It doesn't add up. Uh, I actually killed your kid. You know, I had an abortion. And of course, you know, they, he cries and, and then she's like, I know what you're doing. I know you're killing the people in the video. You know, I hope you kill them all, you know? And, uh, and then 
you that's the last time you see her so good thing is whew, you know he didn't kill her it was actually his ex-girlfriend and he just needed to know where she was which is why she was in the list of uh, his people to seek out so then driver drives to nevada to kill the man who slit his brother's throat i mean this guy he's a big humongous black guy i mean this guy's flipping he's awesome looking uh he's definitely like one of those big bodyguards you know and i mean he's just as big as the rock is okay so he uh he goes into this uh, like this club they go into a bathroom and he's got a nice pick that he picked up um within the bar and uh and they fight in the bathroom he stabs him several times and, uh, and then you think he's dead, uh, which he does actually ask driver. Uh, you know, he said he's sorry. Uh, he was told to do it. Could you, you know, tell my son that I'm sorry he's on speed dial three. So he basically drives off thinking he's done. He calls his son uh, and tells him that he's sorry. But then he finds out that he's actually still alive in hospital. So he turns around to go finish the job. And then it switches over to where you actually see Killer. He gets married to Lily. And uh, both he and Cop have gotten word that the man survived the stabbing at the hospital. And uh, Driver is going to go back to finish him off. So they both decide that, hey, Cop tells Marina that I need to go there. And she's like, no, it's not his MO. He shoots people. He doesn't stab people. He's like, trust me, I just got a hunch. He's going to be there. And then, of course, Killer basically tells Lily, look, I need to go finish my job. She's like, you know, I didn't ask you to marry me. You promised me that you would uh, you would quit your job and he's like i need to do this one job and she's like well what if he kills you so those two get into a fight but uh he eventually takes off to go finish his job so then uh you see driver enter the hospital and uh he's the the dude's in surgery and he flipping what does he do he puts a few puts a few rounds in his chest kills him and then uh cop of course he's in the hospital here's the gunshots and, uh, and goes looking for him, and uh, he unsuccessfully attempts to bring him down. Uh, driver, actually, uh, they're in like this basement, and they start shooting at each other. Of course, just like before, he's getting shot at, and what does he do? He just walks right into the bullets, and he just starts shooting at, at, uh, at Cop. And uh, then he turns around, and there's Driver with the gun right to his head. But the moment that Driver sees that he's a cop, after he sees his badge... He just kind of, he lets him go. He disappears. So then uh, Driver uh, does actually encounter Killer again. And they have this high-speed chase on the highway. Really cool shot scene. Really dig it. Some good stuff. It's like some good old school 70s. I mean, this movie has a 70s feel with just color. I mean, really. With really good color. It's like you're watching a 70s flick. It's how you really have to look at this movie. And uh, so they get into, you know, this really cool highway highway chase scene. And then uh, at one point, Driver actually has the opportunity to kill Killer. But instead, he shoots out his tire. And, of course, Killer is not so nice. Shoots him in the neck. And he's got blood coming out. So, of course, uh, Driver takes off and he heads over to uh, to go to his mom's house is where he heads to, to uh, get the bullet out and to get uh, stitched up. Now, really, it's said like it grazed his neck on, on various places. So uh, I don't actually think the bullet went inside of his neck because he would have died. So I'm kind of with the whole grazing of the neck thing because 
Uh, once he got stitched up, he was all good to go. But uh, it's kind of for you to kind of make your own observation. So he goes to the second to last name on the list, uh, who turns out to be his stepfather, which is one of the reasons why he went to his mom's house is one, to kill his dad or a.k.a. His stepfather, and two, uh, because he needed to get stitched up. So he actually believes his stepfather was the one that arranged the whole thing to have him and his brother killed uh, after uh, his brother refused to give him the share of the money that they stole in the bank job together. So he learns, though, that uh, his stepfather died a few years ago and that uh, Driver, um, you know, due to the fact of his father loved his brother more than him uh, because of the fact of it's kind of implemented that she cheated on him and that's how Driver was born. And Gary, his brother, is the only person ever really loved him and looked out for him. And his father always abused him and beat him up and everything like that. So when he went to go rob the bank, Driver actually volunteered to be the driver for him because he wanted to help him out. And that's kind of kind of the backstory that you get of the character. And then we get to the best parts of the film, hands down. Uh, we go to the last man on the list, which is uh, a traveling evangelist. And uh, I can't even say this guy's name. Uh, it's like Edwaldi Akini Abiju. Okay, so if you've ever seen uh, the Mummy, if you ever seen the Mummy Returns, uh, he is uh, the guy who is always has it wants to kill the kid, but they won't let him. If you've seen G.I. Joe, he was heavy duty. He's the guy that says, "Yo, Joe." Uh, he was Mister Eco and Lost. Uh, let's see, he's, he was Simon and Oz. Uh, so he's been in a lot of different things. But he essentially uh, is the guy who, he didn't kill his brother. What he was, he was supposed to be a lookout for, uh, you know, lookout. And then he actually told them, no, no, don't kill him. So, uh, you know, driver, uh, he's doing his he's doing his service. Driver confronts him there. And then, you know, of course, he knows why he's there and tells him that, you know, he's turned his life around, uh, begging for forgiveness. And, uh, man, this scene, this is what changes things. Okay, so, you know, we have a guy that the moment Driver walks in, he kind of, you know, he gets done preaching and he just tells everybody, okay, go ahead and, you know, just start singing. And he, and then uh, Driver sits down, they have a talk. His wife comes in with with this with his son, and he he just tells him, you know, go go ahead, baby. This is just an old acquaintance of mine. Uh, go ahead and go home, even though he knows it's the last time that he's going to see his family. And driver just looks at the kid, and you could just see the conflict uh, in his eyes and everything. And so he's like, let's take a walk. They go on the beach to take a walk. And uh, that's where he gets the whole history of of what happened. You know, he's just like, uh, you know, I I was just hired to be a lookout. You know, I'm I'm sorry for what happened to your brother. You know, I used the money to to get women and drugs. But when I got uh, to prison, it's when I found God and I turned my life around and and I started to help people like, like you and like me. And I adopted five kids and I turned my life around for God. And and that's when, you know. He has the whole conflict of killing him because he says, you know, God can't save you from me. 
and uh, and he just says, you know, can you ever forgive me for what I did? To can you ever find in your heart to forgive me for what I did? And he's like, I can't. And then he just turns to him and just says, I forgive you for what you're about to do to me. And then he just starts to sing. And man, it's just oh, it's such a good scene, man. It's so good. I'm gonna get into full details about this, but I'm just giving you high level here, okay? I mean, this is the highlight of the movie. This is what really, what really changes things in the film. But needless to say, uh, what happens? He's got the gun to his head. You know, he he's he's singing to God. He's just he's ready to die. He's got his Bible to his chest. He's ready to go home to heaven. And uh, and the gun goes off. You see him fall to the ground. And uh, and you're like, wow. You know, you're just like you were hoping this was the one person that 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 he would not kill. Could he find it in his heart to forgive this guy? And uh, and he looks at him. And he turns around uh, on the ground. He realizes he's alive, and he just says, "Go home to your family." And, and he and he takes off, and he goes back to the church, and he puts his gun in his list down, and, and he's done. I mean, his character has changed. You know, he he's he's reached the final man. He 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 for in a way he forgave him because he saw his life changed, and and he begged for forgiveness, and it was just amazing. It was flipping awesome. So that's when. Uh, you know, uh, man, it's, oh, it gets so good, man. So anyways, uh, driver spares him, goes to leave, and then he gets confronted by killer. So that's when, this is where the movie starts to wrap up. So Cicero learns the true identity of the man who shot driver. Uh, she hurries to the church, uh, with cop already on the scene and then killer, uh, you know, just saying, you know, haven't you realized they've been trying to kill you? He's got in drivers like I have no beef with you whatsoever. He's like, how can you not have no beef with me? I've been trying to kill you for three days. You know, you got no respect, and and that's when drivers like you got issues, which is real funny hearing that from a guy like this. But uh, killer tells driver to pick up his gun so that way they can have a true test of skill. Driver declines, you know, saying I got no quarry with you. So then cop walks in. Shoots driver in the flipping head. Shoots him right where uh, he got shot before, and then everything comes to everything comes to to full circle. What you find out is is that uh, cop is the one that actually shot driver in the video. Uh, he and of course he explains everything, which we'll talk about in a second. But he tries to actually pay killer, but killer declines his payment because he didn't deserve it. Killer then just says, you know, don't ever contact me again. Uh, he calls his wife, tells her that, hey, baby, I'm coming home to start a family with you. And uh, and everything's good because uh, there's actually an alternate ending, which I'm going to talk about in just a little bit, that totally changes how things go. And, and fans were pissed about with uh, with Killer and his wife. But uh, you do find out uh, in regards to cop, you know, he calls his wife, telling her that everything's going to be okay because he closed the case because... Uh, cop's ex-wife is actually the girl was the girlfriend of Gary driver's brother and uh, was actually was also a one-time uh, informant for cop and found out about the uh, found out about the bank job so she told cop about the bank job and then he put together his crew of informants because all the guys that driver killed throughout the film were all informants of cops that have, that actually got out of jail. Uh, didn't spend a whole lot of time in jail because they were cops informants. 
And uh, and that's kind of how you find out, hey, cop this whole time, even though he was a drug, even though he was doing drugs, even though he really, he was a flawed character, he's really flawed because he's really the bad guy. And then cop actually shoots driver, shoots him like right in the back, and then he blows his head off. And then uh, he's like, how'd you live? He's like, well, you shot me in the same spot where I had my metal plate in my head, you idiot. And then uh, he uh, he's like, I created my own hell. And then Driver just says perfectly before he shot, he shoots him. He says, and I'm the demon that crawled out of it, which was uh, which was just really great. And then uh, Cicero arrives on the scene because she already knows that cop is crooked and that he was the one that put these guys together. Uh, but finds out Driver already left. And uh, she decides to kind of cover up cops' involvement in the entire matter, so that his family will gain the full pension benefits uh, because of the fact that he was going to retire in ten days. So she was being the bigger person, which was really great because she's been a good cop this whole entire film. So she may have a little guilt because she's kind of hiding that, but the fact of she didn't turn him in means that the family gets the full benefit. So, And then the movie ends because Driver will take his brother's ashes that he got from his mom's house, and he spreads it across the river, drives off into the sunset, and then he listens to the preacher uh, begin his sermon on forgiveness. And, uh, and that's how the movie ends, which is really cool. Uh, but the alternate ending, though. Uh, alternate ending. Oh, man. You know, usually I'm not an alternate ending guy. You know, I usually like the ending that we got. Uh, the alternate ending on this one is very, very interesting. See, what happens is in the alternate ending is that uh, after uh, Killer leaves and uh, and Driver's been shot in the head, uh, he goes after Killer. So really what the test audiences believed is that they liked the fact of Killer and, and, his, and Lily were together and that they got to originally live together. But the fact of Driver's character uh, has has given up being a killer after he gave forgiveness to the preacher why would he go and kill killer you know but the thing is in the trailers everything you see in the trailers is what happens in this cut ending you know with the rock shooting outside of the car you see the cars flipping over one another uh, the gunfight that you see all that happens in this alternate ending because eventually what happens is uh driver and killer they start shooting at each other uh and then of course killer gets moved uh gets wounded in the chest and he just tells uh driver tells killer hey you know you can't kill me because i'm cursed like that but he did tell him hey you did a good job and uh and then he dies and then you see driver uh head off into the sunset with cops chasing after him so really the ending we got was a much more happier ending but i dug it though i i like the ending that they gave us instead of the alternate ending even though the alternate ending is way more action-packed it's like eight minutes longer and all the stuff you see in the trailers even if you look on the back of the dvd box and the blu-ray box you'll see the rock with uh, with a gun, with him hanging out of a car pointing the gun, that's from the alternate ending, which you won't see that in the film. So I just wanted to point out that you really need to watch the alternate ending and just kind of see which one you like better. But that's really the overall story of the film. So let's talk about the, the things that I really, really dig in this flick. Okay, so the way the movie starts off is really cool because we get to see Rock's tattoos. 
really up to this point, we didn't get to see Rock's tattoos. You got to see him and be cool for a little while, but he's added some more of his tattoos since then, which if you don't know, all of his tattoos, because The Rock is uh, he's half black and half Samoan. And uh, the tattoos represent his Samoan heritage, and each part of his tattoos represents like uh, God, his family, uh, his daughter, uh, father. There's various things, symbols on his chest that mean different various things. So it's real. It's actually a great piece of work of art. It's not just some tribal-looking thing. I really respect and adore his uh, tattoos. Really awesome. I could never do that. I mean, he said he's kind of get drunker than a skunk in order to get those tattoos because they hurt so bad. But you get to see his tattoos look pretty flipping awesome, and his muscles, man. Oh, he's flipping gigantic, man. Some good times. Biggest we've ever got to see. Dwayne on the screen, uh, so it was good times. Uh, and then, since then, he got even bigger for Fast Five. So it was like, dude, oh, good times, man. So, uh, and then of course, uh, what's funny is when uh, when he went to WrestleMania and he fought John Cena, and he comes out with just like his, his shorts or like a speedo or whatever. My wife's like, man, he looks good. I was like, yeah, that's funny. You know, I didn't have any problem with her saying that because she recognizes how much better he's gotten. And uh, and I like the whole uh, driver, you know, like the little names that come up whenever you're introduced to the character uh, kind of gives you a cool uh, old school feel. And then when I seen Tom Berenger, it was like, hey, good stuff. He's only in it for just a little bit. I mean, he's gained some weight, but, you know, who has it when you get older? But it was cool seeing him in the film, trying to be the cool uh, and, uh, and knowledgeable warden, trying to point him in the right path. Of course, all he wants to do is just get out. And then, uh, of course, we see the car. And like I said before, originally I was like, okay, no car could sit there that long. Because, you know, when I bought my car, it was sitting there for five years. And they had to pull it out and give it oil change and new fluids and spark plugs and all that other fun stuff. But then when you get the the note coming from the glove compartment that says, uh, enjoy your car, my man. And then you find out that came from Mike Epps later on was really cool. And I was like, okay, that solved that problem. So I like it when he gets out of his car right before he kills the first guy and he just walks through traffic immediately. You're just like, this guy has one focus and he's not afraid to die. Him just walking through the traffic like this usually means you're you're crazy or psychotic or it means that you are not afraid to die and you are on a mission. And that's exactly what he did. He walked right through the traffic. Everybody stopped. He walked in and blew the guy's brains out. And man, it's just, it's so brutal. You know, the, the, the gore, and it's not gory. It's just, you know, it had an old school, like death wish kind of feel with the updated technology of, you know, of when somebody dies. So it was just, man, it it was so brutal when he gets shot that it just kind of, you're kind of, your jaw kind of drops a little bit because you weren't really expecting the movie to be like this. You knew it was a revenge flick. But you weren't really expecting it to be like, wow. You know, kind of like in Expendables, like in the first five minutes when a dude's body rips in half. You're like, holy crap, look at that. So it's kind of the same feel I got when the dude 
gets brutally killed. And then when we see Billy Bob for the first time, you see that he is on drugs. Uh, you immediately know he's a flawed character, but they build his character up that you like him, which I do like that little twist because I did not think he was a bad guy. I just thought that he was a cop that was burned out, had 10 days left to retire, and he just he's had a drug problem his whole life. And he's just, he's been going in and out of rehab. That's the kind of character I took is just that he was going to be a flawed character. So I definitely like, uh, they, they convinced me 100% of the kind of character he was supposed to be. And then when you listen to the music that's played in this film, music's a very 70s vibe. You know, I just say if, if they would have changed the color, kind of make it like a grayish color, uh, almost like, a, you know, a Pulp Fiction-ish, you know, Quentin Tarantino uh, you know, the crow kind of color, kind of tone it down. I think you would have had like a, a 70s, 1940s vibe kind of thing, you know. So I don't know. I just dug it. Uh, not 1940, but 1970 is the kind of the vibe that I always got. Even though you knew you were dealing in new technology with cell phones and everything like that. It's just the, the way that they present everything. You really felt like you were in an old school 70s revenge flick, which I totally dug. And then seeing Mike Epps, man, was some good times. I love that guy. I think he's hilarious. He's definitely the highlight for me. In uh, in Resident Evil 2, uh, and I and I hated it. Spoiler alert: When he dies in Part 3, I love Mike Epps. He's great. He's hilarious. Love that guy. And uh, it was a good time seeing him in here. And uh, and I and I like the fact of he gave the uh, you know telling you, hey, he's been locked up for 10 years. You know, he's like, it took me 10 years to come up with this list. You know, you owe me more money. So immediately, you know, okay, this is how long driver's been locked up so you it's like none there's no scene in the film that you could have been like okay that scene wasn't needed every scene is needed because of the fact that it's called faster the movie's got to move fast movies only like an hour and 20 minutes so everything is point a, from point a to point b to point c it's just like bam 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 you move you move you move and it's not like it's 100 percent action packed it's just that every scene coincides with the other you need every scene and there's not a scene where you're like you know you can just cut that out and i like that and like I said, seeing Carla, you know, aka Cicero on screen was awesome because I, I really enjoyed her performance with uh, with Rock in uh, Race to Witch Mountain. She was definitely a good time. So, and I love the fact that he brought her in this movie because of how much of a great relationship he had with her was such a good time. I really enjoyed it. And then I like the days. You know, it tells you day one. Everything I just talked about happened in day one, and then when day two comes up, you, know, you get a whole new range of events that happen. Uh, everything from you see when you get introduced to Killer, you see dollar bills all across the room. Funny thing is, is that this guy only works for a dollar. So at the very end of the film, when cop wants to pay him and give him the dollar, he says, "I haven't earned. I haven't earned." He's like, "Why would you put yourself through all this hell just for a dollar?" And he goes, "It's just a hobby of mine." But uh, and then everything make pays it pays off when you see all those dollars that are laying on that are up on the walls in frames and stuff. That's just all of his uh, kills that he's done. Because for him, it's like podcasting. For me, it's just a hobby. It's a fun thing to do. That's what this guy does. You could tell he's a rich guy, but on his side business, he just likes to kill people. Hence his name, of course. 
And I love the workout that he does. You know, he's doing yoga and he actually calls it out. He said, you know, I did this certain yoga that only 10 people in the world could do. I beat yoga, which is pretty cool. He does these amazing moves and stretches that are just like, wow, that was just so good. So I really did killer in this film. He has used the perfect amount of screen time. He was really good. I really enjoyed his performance and his character. Uh, It was some good times. I really, really dug this guy. And then I like when he gets the mission and you see all of his guns and then you see all of his money and his ID and his license plates for different states. I mean, you could tell that this guy's been in the business for a long time. It was kind of like some from some spy kind of James Bond kind of stuff. I really dug how he had everything hidden and it just came out like that. And then you find out his girlfriend, Lily, is an assassin too. Or at least you think she is because she has like this kind of same skills that he does, which is pretty awesome. Now uh, let's talk about the uh, the the bank driving scene. What's really cool is just like Paul Walker and Vin Diesel in the Fast and Furious movies. Nine times out of ten, whatever you see behind the wheel is them doing all the stunts. Same thing here. Uh, Dwayne was taught. Uh, I mean, he was always a good driver, but he was taught how to do all these scenes on the street that you see in the GTO, where he's doing all the spin outs and uh, going through the alley and going through the traffic, all that stuff. Everything you see in this film is done by him, and I respect that. I love that because you know he's known for doing his own stunts. I think there's only like. 99.5% of stunts he always does and the other 0.5% he's not allowed to do and uh, for the driving for the most part uh, as far as I know of based on the special features he did all of it which is really cool but I really dig the scene with the GTO with some good stuff and uh, and the smile for the camera scene man uh, it was pretty crazy you know you see this guy taking advantage of the girl and it, it kind of immediately I was wondering if he was going to kill the girl because he just seemed to kind of be on a mission where it's no holds barred. Everybody's going to die. So when he didn't kill the girl and he's just like, I'm not going to hurt you, you could tell he was on a mission at, kind of like the crow where he's only after certain people and anybody else, uh, as long as they don't really get in his way. He's not going to hurt them or anything like that, which I, I totally dug. But I love this scene, though, when Killer shows up and, you know, he gets done killing the guy uh, with the camera and he walks out and the little girl walks out of her room, uh, walks out of her apartment. He turns around, sees the little girl and then sees Killer and just kind of throws her into her apartment so she doesn't get shot. And he just walks and starts shooting at Killer. I love that shot. I love that scene. It was some good times. Very, very good scene. Now, throughout the film, they do a lot of flashbacks where they're, uh, they'll tell you the story and then they'll go back and show you like the video and stuff. When, uh, when Driver shot in the head, it was pretty gross looking. Not as bad as it was at the end of the film where they show you the full thing. But, uh, you know, it's, it's pretty, pretty crazy. And, uh, and Gary's kid, I actually thought that uh, when you see Cop, and his family, you know, with his ex-wife and, and the and the son that he wants to take to uh, baseball. I was always kind of wondering if that was maybe Gary's kid because those two had been together. Uh, but they don't really get into it. So I guess you could, you know, I get, it was just something that just kind of sprung up. I'm like, hey, could that be Gary's kid? But because they don't get into it, I go with the fact of it's Cop's kid, and that's cool. And then we get to where it says day three. So then we get some more exciting stuff 
where, uh, you know, how long have you been clean? You know, where Cicero confronts Cop about, you know, she sees the marks on his arm, the cuts and, and the needle marks and stuff. And, of course, we know as the audience that he's still doing drugs, but he lies to her and just says, you know, I've been clean ever since uh, my, my son was born. And why would I be stupid enough to do drugs when I have 10 days till retirement so my family can get the pension, which... That pays off at the end when she doesn't rat the cops out about how he's the guy behind it. So, like I said, everything pays off. It's really, really nice. So in such a short film and a movie called Faster, I like the fact of everything pays off. You don't have like a lazy scene, which is really nice. And I, and I really dig that. Uh, and then I like when, uh, you know, that, that scene built up tension when he sees the girl. And uh, you think, wow, he's going to go kill the girl uh, with the kid, with the baby sitting there. And then it was just like, you know, I really questioned myself watching this film. I was like, wow, I know he's set out for revenge, but is he really going to go that far? You know, twice in this film, I asked the question, is he going to go that far? The first time was with the with the, with the the girl and her kid. And then the second time was with the preacher. And I like the fact he gets slapped in the face and you're just like, okay, he didn't do nothing. Then you find out it's his girlfriend and that she aborted the baby and stuff. And it was just a very good, powerful scene. Now, one scene I actually thought was kind of funny is when Killer and Lily get married. Uh, they, they're doing like target practicing. You know, that's their honeymoon. Their honeymoon is to go out and just start shooting stuff. You know, just their foreplay, if you will, is to shoot stuff and kiss. And that's just their thing, you know. So you, you do see the happier side of Killer. You know, th- th- pretty much the first half of the film, he's all obsessed with Lily and stuff. And I think that's why the audience, when they saw the alternate ending, which was the original ending, that they were disappointed that Killer died because they really liked Killer and Lily's relationship. And and it actually does very good because of the fact that the screen time for these two is maybe 15 minutes. But the 15 minutes that they're on screen together is pretty powerful stuff. So immediately you get the you you really invest yourself in what's quote unquote the bad guy when really, you know, he's just the guy that he flat out tells you he gets a mission. He doesn't ask. He doesn't, you know, she's like, well, what did this guy do? He goes, I never ask. His mission is just to, you know, go out and uh, take care of somebody for somebody else. You know, that's just kind of his thing. So I like their relationship. I like the target practicing scene. They got some good chemistry together. Now, something that I like uh, is how this movie kind of rewards you when you watch it the second time because, you know, the first time when you get the shock of finding out that cop is the guy behind it. When you watch it the second time and you know, when you know everything, when, uh, when his ex-girlfriend is talking to him because, you know, he wants to come over and take their son out to baseball and, you know, just give me a second chance. The things that she says you think are about him but are really about her guilt of uh of having her of having Gary and Driver killed and in the money whole situation. So it's really cool because you know eventually it'll pay off where she's like, you know, we're going to go to hell for what we did. You know, that pays off later, but it's just originally in the beginning of the film when they're talking together, the kind of conversation the tense conversations that they have, you think are about drugs or you think are about their relationship, but it's because of the fact of them doing this broke them up. And she has extreme guilt over what happened. And it, I like that. It pays off later when you watch it a second time. So that's some good stuff. And uh, I love this scene where uh, where uh, 
driver goes to, uh, you know, he's going to the club to stab the guy in the bathroom, and the and the bodyguard he all like does he frisk him, and he's like, "Do you have any other weapons on you except these?" And he's like, he's tapping on his shoulders because of how big his muscles are. I thought that was kind of a good laugh because there's not there's not any laughs in this film. That's really the only scene in the film that I laughed at. But the bathroom fight, man, is some good stuff. Uh, it was pretty intense. Good camera work. The camera shot from the bottom point of view of the characters along with the side views. Uh, the camera work is really good in this film. There's no fast motion, so any fight scene, you see everything. It's not a shaky cam. Uh, I dig it. It's some good stuff. The bathroom fight is one of the one of the highlights of the film for sure. And then I like when, uh, you know, he tells them, you know, call my son on speed dial three and tell him I'm sorry. Driver didn't have to do that. This was kind of the scene where you knew he had a little bit of heart in him, where he had a little bit of humanity left, where he was willing to, you know, take the bad guy's cell phone and do the request of the guy he just murdered and call his son and tell him, hey, your dad says that he's sorry. I thought that was cool because most normal revenge flicks the the guy wouldn't do that he'd be like yeah whatever and just take the phone and flush it down the toilet so it kind of showed you the the human the humanity side of driver that he's still a little bit in there he's just hidden away and this kind of obviously builds up till we get to the preacher point but this is a good scene you really got if you really pay attention to it you can see that uh this character uh does have uh, some some light at the end of the tunnel for him, which is some good stuff. And then the fight scene between uh, Killer and Lily, uh, you know, when he just says this, uh, you pr- she comes down saying, you promised me that you would stop. And he's like, you know, you used to be attracted to what I do. And she goes, I'm your wife now. It's a good, con- it's a good conflict, good fight. And, uh, and it pays off at the end because he calls her up and say that I'm coming home. Uh, I like the fight. It's some good stuff. It doesn't last too long. It lasts for like two minutes. It gets the point across. Uh, I definitely dig that. And then we get to day four. Uh, really good stuff. Day four is uh, the hospital scene where he goes back to the hospital to finish the job. And, uh, and of course, when a uh, cop shows up and starts shooting that driver in the basement... He does his good old walk and shoot after he reloads his gun. He just walks right in the ammo and starts shooting at him. And of course, if he knew that cop was behind it, he had cop. You know, he had a gun to cop's head. He could have pulled the trigger, and that'd be the end of the movie. But it's cool that you know he didn't know that. Of course, now you when you watch it a second time, you're like, dude, that's the guy that that did that made your life like this. Uh, but overall, I totally dig the hospital scene and and the walking and the shooting and. Uh, the whole scene is just great. Really, really enjoy it. And then, of course, the car chase scene is just flipping amazing. I love the car chase scene. Uh, I can't say anything much better about it. it it's shot well. Uh, you can see everything, even in, even though it's dark. Everything looks good. So, uh, big, big props on the car chase scene. And the reason why I say that is just sometimes with car chase scenes, uh, the camera's real shaky. You don't get to see everything. I mean, the Fast, the Fast and Furious franchise does an excellent job of record of showing you everything with car chase scenes. But I, I really dug this car chase scene because it doesn't last too long. Gets the point across, and uh, and it ends well. You know, with the whole shootout between those two. Uh, so good stuff. It, that's kind of what I was getting at with how I really dig the car scene. Now, uh, I, I like when Rock goes to see his mom. And uh, you actually see his real baby picture when he's, you know, getting stitched up and he's talking about his father. 
and you actually see him looking through a book with his brother. There's actually a baby picture, which is actually really Dwayne Johnson, which is pretty cool. But uh, you kind of get the backstory of, uh, I thought it was really his dad, but all the um, you know, plot synopsis and everything says it's a stepfather. I kind of took it as his real dad and that the mom cheated on the dad and, and that's why the father hated him. But either way, it doesn't matter. You you do find out that Gary was the only one that really loved him and the whole purpose of why he went to help him that day. And uh, it's a good scene. This is the most dialogue that he has throughout the film. Like I said, he only says like 30 words throughout the film. And he again, he doesn't say a lot in this scene either. It's just maybe just a couple of sentences. But this is really the most dialogue that you will actually get to see from him. All in all, though, like I said, 30 to 60 words is probably the most that he says throughout the whole entire film. But this is the only scene where it's the most dialogue heavy from his character. And uh, and then let's talk about uh, the best scene of the whole entire film. And that's the preacher scene, man, which takes place on day five. You know, day five is when you find out that all the informants are uh, were the ones that were working for a cop. Uh, but, uh, the, you know, throughout the film, he's been hearing the preacher on the radio during his sermons. And then, uh, you know, the, the preacher is just all he's got. He's got the crowd going. Everybody's singing. And the moment he walks in, he takes one look at him and he just kind of shakes his head like, you know, I've been waiting for you. And this is kind of my day to die. And it's just really good when he's just like, you know, you've been you've been the topic of my sermons for the past couple of days. And uh, then his wife and son walk in and, and, and Driver just looks at him kind of like he's really thinking about what he wants to do. You, This is kind of where the conflict starts. And he's like, go on, baby. This is just an old acquaintance of mine. Go ahead and go on home. And, uh, you know, of course, he's, he lies to her thinking that, you know, he knows he's not going to ever see her again. And he says, I'll be home in a little while. And then Driver says, let's take a walk. They take a walk on the beach. He's holding his Bible pretty, pretty hardcore. And, uh, and he just, he's shown his remorse and regret just saying, you know, I can't take back what I did, but you know, I changed my life. I wanted to make a difference. You know, there isn't a day that goes by that I don't think about what happened, but you know, God saved me and I, I'm using what happened to help other people like yourself and like me, you know, I've adopted five kids. It's just a great scene. And you know, you see the conflict in driver that, you know, you've changed your life around but that doesn't change what you did and you know and then he gets the information about what happened and then he realizes that this guy didn't didn't necessarily kill his brother but you know of course he's an accomplice but you know he did know that he tried to stop the situation but you know you see him start to tear up and when you get to the whole you know can you can you find your heart to forgive me for what I did and he says I can't and he's like I forgive you for what you're about ready to do to me and you just see him get on his knees he's ready to take a bullet and he just starts singing and he's holding the bible and it's just it's such a great great scene because I was just like is he gonna do it you know like half of me knew that okay he's gonna kill him because that's what this character has been doing throughout the film but the other half of me is like if he doesn't do it it's showing a different side and it would definitely put a twist on the whole revenge thing because now you're dealing with forgiveness you know can you forgive somebody that killed the person that you love the most you know you're getting into some deep stuff granted this wasn't the person that did the actual bullet or you know bullet to the head or or knife or whatever example you want this would be the person that was you know part of the group and uh so of course when he once he shoots the gun 
I was, and they they don't show it on screen. You just see him shoot the gun, and you're just like, part of me was heartbroken. I was like, wow, he did it. And the other half of me is like, no, uh, you know, I understand. And then and then when uh, and then when he turns around, he's alive. I'm just like, yes, that was so awesome. That was like an excellent uh, twist to a revenge film I've ever seen. Because it's like at this point, he's he's gotten to the point where forgiveness is his only way to go. You know, and it it was just awesome. I mean, if we if us as people could really just, you know, forgive people more than we ever do, this world would be in such a better place. You know, they always say forgive and forget, you know, and we're human. We, we physically and mentally cannot forget something, but we can choose to forgive. You know, uh, I've, I've gone through so much stuff in my life and, uh, and the hardest thing for me to do was not only to forgive the individual that uh, caused me much harm in my life, but was to forgive myself. That's always the hardest thing to do is to forgive yourself. You know, you know, I was definitely uh, an innocent kid. You know, when when I was younger, you know, I grew up in the church my whole entire life. I didn't know anything else. I didn't really know about the quote unquote evils of this world, you know, and uh, when I got older to be a teenager, uh, I actually at one point was like, uh, I was leading Bible studies and, and things like that. But then I met a, a group of individuals that actually came to my church and I thought that they were really cool, but uh, I didn't know what manipulators were. And uh, I eventually got to a point where uh, the more I opened up to to the individuals, uh, I started to get more tore apart. So it actually go to a point where you know I, I'd go to a Bible study and I'd be high you know and I'd be saying to myself what am I doing this is not me but I was so you know manipulated that I was like how could I let this happen to me and you know I went through so much which is you know you guys have heard the whole uh, thing about me not drinking well you know it got to the point where I, I was going through so much uh, drugs and, and drinking and uh, just a lot of bad stuff that was going on throughout this year that I thought the only way out was to kill myself. And, you know, and, and somebody like me who's who's grown up my whole entire life, you know, knowing that you, you, you can't kill yourself, you know, that I'll make it through, uh, thought that, hey, one night I'll just drink myself to death. And, of course, it didn't happen, uh, thank God. And, uh, and, and that night, you know, things changed to where uh, I was able to get enough strength to be able to kind of start my life over again. You know, I at that point knew that I would never touch alcohol again. I don't have a problem if anybody, you know, drinks or anything. It's just not my thing because of the fact of, you know, I was at, a, I was at the lowest point of my life thinking that the only way out was to was to take my own life, you know. And the hardest thing was not really to... Uh, forgive the persons that uh, that caused me so much pain to uh, you know all the manipulation that I went through and all the different things that I did but was really to forgive myself that was the hardest thing was to do that and uh, and it's taken me many many years to be able to do that and of course the consequences that have happened I mean I'm definitely I'm, I get angrier easily than I ever did before, which is something that I'm definitely working on. You know, I try to just be as cool, calm and collective as I can. But that's that's the thing, though, man. I mean, this really hit home for me, this whole forgiveness thing, because, you know, you can forgive the people that cause you so much harm. But, you know, granted, it doesn't really deal with him forgiving himself. But for me, 
you know, that's always been a challenge is to forgive myself for what happened. You know, how could I let uh, stuff like that? How could I let that happen to me? How could I be so stupid and naive to to do drugs and to go out drinking and 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 do all these horrible things, steal and uh, it's just there's just so much crap that I did that I can't even talk about. But it's just uh, it it took you know I I got to start my life over again. You know I, I moved out to a new town. I, uh, you know, I got a wife, I got kids, I got a house, you know, it's like I got to start over again. And and the thing is, is that I realize what uh, people like people are going through, you know, Uh, because I've gone through it, I can spot it easily. I know when someone's being manipulated, I can see a manipulator. Uh, Usually, uh, I try at least I try to give everybody the benefit of the doubt. But at the same time, I'm not as weak minded as I used to be, you know, and and that's the thing, though, it's taken me many years to forgive myself. So that whole scene is just very powerful. It's some great stuff. And and I just say, man, you will be able to your life will be so much better if you can just forgive, you know, forgive your neighbor, you know, love your neighbor as you love your, you know, as you would love yourself, you know, go out there and just the person that's done you the most wrong. You can just say, look, I forgive you for what you did to me, uh, but I don't want you in my life anymore or something like that, you know. Because uh, us as humans, we can't forget, but we can definitely forgive. Forgiveness is the most powerful thing that we can do in this world. So and I got to get off my soapbox. I know. I know I'm just supposed to be reviewing a movie here. But I just want to say that just that scene is just so powerful to me. And just I always cry every time I see it because it's some good stuff. So uh, so that is, that, that's it, guys. I, I got to end it there because it's just so good. Um, as far as overall rating of the film, I'd have to go... Uh, a very strong four stars. You know, uh, I can't say I have any problems with the film. Really, the only problems is that I mean, you can definitely tell it's uh, it's a cliche film. You know, it's a revenge flick, and you know that okay, well, the movie's not going to end until he kills everybody. So immediately, you kind of already know the story going in. So nothing's really. I mean, the movie is not life changing in any way. But by the certain twist that happened, you know, with keeping. Uh, you know the main bad guy alive and he gets ha- he gets a happy ending but most of all the the whole forgiveness with the preacher thing is just so powerful to me that it immediately puts it a step above revenge flicks you know and i don't consider the crow a revenge flick i consider it a love story myself but to me that's the greatest revenge flick there is if i was going to consider a revenge flick but for me though it's, uh, you know, I give it a very strong four stars. You know, it, it could weigh four and a half, but just because of the predictability of a film like this that you can call, that you can kind of see, uh, it's uh, it's some good stuff. So that's, that's kind of why I go with the four star there. And uh, I highly recommend you check out this film. If anything, uh, I can't say go look up the, go watch the preacher scene because it's not as impactful if you don't see the whole project. Because, yeah, this scene may be powerful, but you need the whole film for it to work. So so that's what I have to say for Faster, guys. Uh, let's hear what the STL Nation has to say. All right, our first email comes from Sebastian, the internationalist, and he writes it on Faster. He said, Hello, Sweep Play Podcast. I give Faster a three 
quote-unquote rock beefcakes. Obviously, he's been listening. Yeah, it's that bad. Stars out of five. I think Faster is well cast. I really like the millionaire ex-software designer and board assassin Oliver Jackson Cohen. Faster is packed with car chases and shootouts. It's not uh, subtle. But there are some unexpected twists and surprisingly well-rounded characters like Thornton's Detective. Faster has the feel of a 70s action film. For the most part, it just drives in a straight line. With Johnson on a quest to find the next person involved in the death of his brother. Killing them. uh, Getting back in his early 70s Chevelle uh, Chevy Chevelle SS uh, with the Hearst shifter and AM radio and going to the next person on the list. This is Sebastian the internationalist signing off. So thank you Sebastian for writing in. Appreciate it, sir. And uh, our next email comes from uh, my good old boy, Thad. Uh, Thad actually wrote in twice. He wrote in for The Dark Knight Rises and he wrote in for Faster. And uh, here's what Thad had to say. He said, uh, this one's about Dark Knight Rises. He said, before I give any reviews, I will say this. I know, and you know how much of a Spider-Man fan I am, which he's humongous. Spider-Man is actually his favorite superhero. This movie, uh, you know effing rocks because this is a family show so we won't complete that sentence and he said uh, the order of comments may be in no order whatsoever i'm just gonna go where my mind takes me i like how it started um i like how bruce uh was in the shadows on the roof was nice makes sense after the second movie that he stopped being batman and they don't uh, reference any other of his rogues gallery during that time so i didn't mind the eight-year hiatus having selena kyle right away get caught stealing from him was a good introduction set a little storyline for them within the first 15 30 minutes i already figured out that spoiler alert if you haven't seen the dark knight rises close your ears that miranda talia played by marion uh Catalard uh, was part of the was part of the plot. I didn't know that her being Raza Ghoul's I didn't know she would be Raza Ghoul's daughter though. Nice twist in the movie and nice full circle telling of storytelling uh, type of storytelling. It was very good having her end up as the brains behind the whole thing. I love the cameo of Liam Neeson as Raza Ghoul and Bruce's mind, sort of putting much of the story together while still not grasping the entirety of it. Uh, Bane Bane was a great character and was very well played. It it used his intellect as it truly was meant to be, just like the cartoon from the comics and the cartoons. Wait, though, it was Talia that was actually behind the ingenious nature. Sorry, but kind of disappointed with the plot twist for the fact that Bane was still just a lackey, which he wasn't a lackey. I mean, think about it. She was in Gotham for many years playing Talia. So Bane had to come up with the plan. He had to create the plan and execute it. So really, I mean, he's like, she may be the CEO, but he's like the president. He he called the shots. I mean, he did all that crap. So you can't really call him a lackey because that doesn't really that doesn't really go with what happened. She, he's not like the lackey he was in Batman and Robin, uh, but much better than uh, his previous movie incarnation. But still not quite what he truly is. Uh, they did, however, play his ruthlessness better than I could have imagined. I even forgive the changes in his background because he never was part of the League of Shadows, and he started out as. Uh, as a Lucador waiting to be more powerful. Now, Joseph Gordon-Levitt was great as uh, Officer John Blake. 
again, it was a little too obvious that he was actually a version of Dick Grayson, a.k.a. Robin, and they confirmed that at the end of the movie. Uh, I, again, am okay with the changing of this background because anyone who knows the storyline is aware that he and his family were acrobats in the circus, and that is where uh, Batman slash Bruce Wayne acquired him as his ward. Throughout the movie, you can see the subtle transformation of his character into the individual that he was going to take over after Bruce left. And I absolutely loved the fact that they brought uh, Killian Murphy back and had him as the judgment advocate as the main character in the first movie and as a minor role in the last uh, in the in the last one it was great to have them include him in it it shows just how much Nolan really cared for this franchise and uh, another reason why this movie kicks so much ass uh, Commissioner Gordon slash Gary Oldman was uh, stupendous the fact that he was willing to throw away his career at the beginning by reading the letter showed how much of a stand-up guy he really is being shot and still keeping his wits even to give a report of what he found in the sewers was sweet another character that grew throughout all the movies um this is where i will say that i even like this more than the avengers movie and again you know i actually like marvel a bit more than dc and avengers totally rock but rise is definitely beat it for its content however in their defense they also didn't use as much time to tell the story uh six Six of one, half dozen of the other, but great in their own right. I didn't see Alfred Michael Caine uh, leaving. Excellent turn of events that stood out as a poignant piece that it was. It it had to be a turning point that really got Bruce thinking about just what it was he was actually fighting for. Alfred telling him about the letter and that he burned it showed just how much of a man cared for his master. Uh, Fox Morgan Freeman was pretty much the same. He was a very necessary part of the story, but he also really uh, he didn't really change in this movie at all or bring anything new to the table except what was expected. Still, very poignant to the story and had to have him in order to fulfill certain aspects. All in all, great story and progress well. I hardly even realized how much time passed uh, because it uh, kept me riveted to my seat waiting for what was coming next. The ending uh, was by far the absolute best I have, I have seen done in a very long time. Definitely leaves it open for the next trilogy to come up if they want to. And I hope that keeps Joseph Gordon-Levitt to take up the man to mantle. It also leaves it open to bring in bail for cameos. I'm sure there's uh, more I can say. and might send another one later uh, when I see the movie again. But that's it for now. Hope you like my review, Thad. Thank you, sir, so much for writing in Dark Knight Rises. You made a lot of good points, sir. And uh, outside of the one I commented on, I, I agree with everything, sir. And then uh, he writes in again, and this one's for Faster. He said, this movie is awesome with the capital A. It starts with the feeling of anxiousness and delivers tenfold. The flashbacks are good. They give just enough information without revealing anything right away. Starting out right away with the talk between Driver, Dwayne, and the Warden Tom Berenger lets you know how serious he is by dwindling, by the dwindling sound of the speech that the and then the tick of the clock ending with which way out. That was super nice. You know I got a comment on the car 1969 ss 454 chevelle with the ratchet shifter automatic transmission classic muscle with a lot of power and actually would give that ferrari a good run on performance and speed uh, it's beautiful the way that he just walked into the first place no hesitation and shot the guy the interaction at the bail bondsman place is another act of force going in and getting the info paid for and then attempt at a shakedown at, and his heavy Going from tough guy to scare little boy in a heartbeat was priceless. 
the old guy got his due and was a poignant plot piece for saving the girl too. Excellent first meetup between Driver and Hitman. Total disregard for safety and absolute resolution of fearlessness in the face of danger. He has a good. He has a job to do and nothing will stop stop him. The Hitman and his girlfriend wife was another interesting interaction. Their love for each other and his pressing need to be better than the hand he was dealt at birth and as a young boy, pushing himself even closer to something he cannot beat yet never wanting to give into it either. Yes, I love the alternate ending and would love to see a sequel to this. It's perfect for it. The Hitman had a look of peace that uh, has faded away, like he finally found his peace uh, had he been chasing for uh, for a long time. Billy Bob Thornton uh, is a great ass and bad guy. His treatment of his son, which may actually be Driver's brother's son, which... Yeah, I kind of thought that too. Uh, think about it. Uh, is uh, deplorable. His ex-wife is awesome. Moon Bloodgood uh, is a very good actress, even in a small role. The fight in the bathroom was sweet. Took me back to the bar fight scene from the rundown when he just powered through everybody. He practically handed that guy's ass to him on a platter. And the reaction of the old guy's bathroom attendants was classic. The little addition and break to the action added a little more ambience to the movie. Not Killing the Preacher showed the growth of Driver during the movie. Uh, he does have a heart and isn't evil. He's just driven by the need to avenge his brother's senseless killing. Also, the Preacher showed real remorse during the act and in the end uh, and completely turned his life around. He was, however, perfectly willing to accept his fate for being part of the deed that was done, which makes some very great points there, sir. And uh, the reveal in the end of Carla um, Gugino's character finally putting everything together about what was going on with Billy Bob and Driver was sweet. A little disappointing with her not revealing uh, he was behind it all. But, you know, again, if she did, the family wouldn't have gotten the benefits. And also like the aspect of not giving him up to ensure that the family got his pension upon death and would be taken care of. See? Even you just noticed that, sir. Uh, Driver getting shot in the end and, and and the interaction with the hitman was nice, too. I knew that there had to be something more and uh, was not disappointed when Billy got shot. The whole I created my own hell and Driver responded on the demon that crawled out of it was sweet. Full circle ending and the flattened bullet was a nice touch. The alternate ending. I love the chicken run and the wreck of the cars. The showdown aspect of the two facing each other and the fact that Driver apologized for Hitman not killing him. This uh, adds to the previous remark on Hitman. Showing his now wife targeting practice is also a nice touch that leads me to believe that she would be in the sequel. Hoping. Uh, and then Driver being chased by multiple police cars. And driving off is another classic ending that I like. All in all, I would say this is definitely one of Dwayne's best movies. I still like the rundown and I even like the Tooth Fairy. And Scorpion King is awesome no matter what others say. There are reasons you and I get along mostly. Laugh out loud. Uh, that is it in a largely, in a slightly large nutshell. Later, my friend Thad. Thank you so much for writing in, sir. Uh, the thing is, though, um, you know, he won't ever do a sequel because... I mean, he didn't even do a sequel to the rundown or to the Scorpion King, and that was that was a huge hit. It, it just sequels aren't his thing. But I mean, he's doing Fast Six, but that's a little bit different. But uh, I loved your email, sir. Thank you so much for writing in. Always a great time to hear from you. Keep it up, sir. And our final email comes from Monday Night Jason. Good old Watson writes in, and uh, he says, "What's up, Masunis and the STL Nation?" 
I just got done watching the action classic Faster starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson and this flick was miles better than I expected. The flick started out with an adrenaline rush that never stops till the end. I love The Rock in this flick. This was a typical 80's action revenge flick with a new twist on it. I thought The Assassin was a great uh, foil to The Rock's character. And I like was uh, what happens to his character at the end. Billy Bob plays Billy Bob, which was cool, and the Mike Emmy and the Mike Epps cameo was great. But my favorite scene was with the preacher, Mister Eco from Lost. This uh, this was a turn for the character and gave him a way to find forgiveness for what was done to him and his brother. All in all, I give this flick a four out of five stars. Now for the alternate ending. Uh, I really like the alternate ending of the flick. It puts you in the mind of an old West shootout. I can see why they changed it though because the rock's character was finally at peace and to go after the assassin wouldn't go in line with what happens at the end of the movie which that's what everybody said uh during the test screening and that's why they changed it because he said it's out of character for driver after the whole preacher situation but it was still awesome well i guess i'll leave it to that can't wait for you to talk some fly to the navigator keep up the great work sir and we'll holler at you later uh monday night jason so thank you so much for writing in thanks everybody for writing in always a good time and uh, if you want to write in make sure you do so at sweep delay podcast yahoo.com or stlpodcast at gmail.com so let's get to the music spotlight All right, music spotlight time. Hopefully you guys are digging the music uh, summer spotlight. Only uh, a few more episodes and we will be done with the music summer spotlight uh, just because uh, summer is almost over. So all my favorite summer jams are almost at a close. So uh, I got some. I got two good songs for you today. And I know normally I don't tell you who it is. You got to wait till the next week when you look in the information. But I know last week I did tell you. Uh, this one though I kind of wanted to, to tell you because of the fact that it kind of had the same theme of of the movie but it's a fun song though uh there's a certain song that's called uh, better than revenge which uh is super super fun uh it comes from taylor swift which taylor swift as we all know is a good old country girl but uh, she does a rock twist uh she takes a song about a girl that stole her boyfriend and how nobody does better than revenge than her because we all know you cheat on taylor swift she's gonna write a song about you but the song uh, number one, uh, whenever somebody hears it, they always think that sounds like Avril Lavigne because it's got such a rock feel. But what's funny is the chorus. You know, it says she's not a saint and she's not what you think. She's an actress. Uh, she's better known for what she does on the mattress. I mean, immediately you're just like, holy crap, you know. I mean, it's talking about slapping somebody in the face. But it's a great song. Uh, it's kind of, you know, revenge. You know, the whole movie's about revenge. But I like it because it's got a good twist on it. Uh, and she's getting the upcomings at the end. It's a good, fun flick. And then the second, uh, good, not flick, good, fun song. And then the second one, I'm telling you, I must be old because uh, flipping through the radio, I was on the oldies channel. And one of my favorite songs, Eve 6, Inside Out, is now considered an oldie. And I used to jam to this song. When this song came out in the summertime, man, I was like, man, I love this song. This song's great. I used to listen to it all the time. I still love it to this day. I still listen to it. But now the fact it's considered an oldie, 
was like, seriously, I'm that old that you're going to consider this song an oldie now? I mean, when you hear Paul Abdul and you hear oldie, it's kind of weird. But uh, I love this tune. Uh, and I guess because uh, I'm an old person now, this is considered an oldie. It's a great summertime song. And uh, and I definitely wanted to play that for you. And then uh, as far as what's going forward with the rest of uh, the show, podcast, and uh, next week, for next week, uh, I'm going to be doing the Expendables because Expendables 2 comes out next Friday. So you will be getting the Expendables episode probably on Friday, the same day number two comes out. I'm seeing that on Saturday, part two, because uh, it's actually my anniversary. And then on Sunday, I will record uh, Expendables 2 or Tuesday. I haven't really decided yet, but either way, that episode will come out to you shortly after Expendables 2 comes out. I can't wait for it. Uh, it's going to be some good times. And then uh, I wanted to uh, talk about my new podcast. Uh, new podcast is going to be super fun. Just to give you a little background, uh, for the past couple of months, I've been thinking about doing a 21 Jump Street podcast because you know 21 Jump Street is my favorite cop show. Uh, but of course, it's one of those podcasts that would end, you know, kind of like the shadowy flights. You know, I love Knight Rider, but at some point that podcast is going to end. And then, you know, someone we always talk about TV shows on the show. Uh, but somebody's always said, you know, uh, they talk about various TV shows they would like me to review on STL. And, you know, TV shows are not part of uh, are, are not something I'm, I'm going to do on STL. You know, I did Smallville once wasn't really that fun for me and it's just you know I did it once and I just wanted to do movies but I but I do love TV because I think I watch more TV than I do watch movies but I couldn't think of a perfect idea of what to do until last night things started to come into play uh, essentially uh, my new podcast is going to be called Changing Channels. And what it is, it's a podcast dedicated to TV shows. And here's what's cool about it is every single episode is going to be about a new TV show. So this is a once a month podcast. So only 12 a year. Okay. And uh, I will have a co-host on every episode. Uh, and as you all know from the last episode, me and Jameson had super super fun times. So he has graciously uh, agreed to help me uh, with the first couple of episodes. Uh, and the first the first episode we're going to be talking about is the Twenty One Jump Street series. And then the second episode will be in living color. Uh, it's going to be some fun times. Uh, that should be coming out hopefully in the next two weeks. I'm working on it. The name of the podcast will be called Changing Channels. And then, uh, like I said, it'll be a once a month podcast. And essentially, uh, anything is up for grabs. It's going to be talking about the TV show, uh, everything from you know from the beginning to end. Even if it's an existing TV show, that's not off grabs. Uh, it could be like you know a TV show I watched today. We can just talk. We'll talk about. Uh, what's great about the show, uh, maybe things we don't like, uh, you know, some of our favorite episodes and, uh, and if it's an older show, does it still, is it still relevant today? Can you still watch it with just as much enjoyment today? Uh, cartoons are definitely going to be part of it. You know, Thundercats, T-Man, uh, you know, Alvin and Chipmunks, whatever. I mean, the, the sky's the limit with this. We got some ALF. Uh, it's going to be some, I'm just very, very excited. Uh, again, it's uh, just once a month. So that means there, we're going to be losing one episode of STL because normally you get four episodes of STL a month. However, with this new podcast, uh, you'll be losing one. So you'll get three episodes of STL and then you'll get one episode of Changing Channels. I don't have anything set up yet. I don't have a website. I don't have the logo yet. 
Uh, I don't have the server yet. I'm, I'm working on that currently. My prediction is in about another week, I'll have everything finalized. And then uh, hopefully the STL members, you guys will all support me. And, and you guys all have. When I mentioned it in the group last night, I had a lot of uh, support from you guys, and especially those that can't wait to hear it. So it's going to be super fun. And like I said, it's just going to be uh, just talking TV shows, man. It's going to be some good times. And I'm going to be playing the theme song. So whatever TV show it is, uh, during the episode, I'm going to play the theme song. Probably before the review starts, I'll play the theme song of the show because most most of the TV shows always have great theme songs, you know, like the old school Fall Guy, A-Team, Dukes of Hazard. You know, all that fun stuff. And the cool thing with the podcast, it doesn't, you know, it's one of those that can go on because there's so many TV shows that you can talk about. It'll be, it'll be good, you know, and even if STL ends one day, maybe I can switch it to be just the TV show. So, so whatever, I'm very excited about it. You guys are excited about it, but I will give all the details on the Sweep Delay podcast page and I will put it in the group. And then if you are friends with me, I'll go ahead and send you guys links to uh, the Facebook page and then once it's officially on iTunes I will let you guys know so that way you can subscribe and uh, and I'm super excited for it it's going to be some good times so be on the lookout for the new show Changing Channels now uh, Shadowy Flight uh, is priority over this show so essentially it's going to be like this where you'll get an STL episode and then uh, once I record a, a shadowy flight episode, then I'll record this episode. Uh, then I'll record a changing channels episode. So uh, it's gonna be good, man. A bunch of people are joking with me that I'm gonna have more podcasts than Jason, but that's not gonna happen. But uh, I'm very, very excited for it, and everything just kind of fell into place. You know, Watson helped me pick out the name because I'm like, I need a really good name, you know. And and he's like, in changing channels is one of my all time favorite episodes from Supernatural, so it made perfect sense I was like that makes perfect sense of what I'm doing you know change the channel every episode to a new TV show and uh, so I'm just I can't I can't explain how excited I am for this everything's falling to place and uh, even Jameson he's just like you know this this idea is better because as much as I love 21 Jump Street I wouldn't want to spend you know months and months and months on the same show and uh, and he's excited that you know every Every episode's a new TV show, so we're gonna do we're gonna do TV shows that we've seen, you know. Um, and then eventually, when I get to a point where it's shows that he hasn't seen, then I'll try to get a co-host on for that episode that's actually seen it. Jason, uh, our good buddy Jason from Flicks and stuff, he actually has various shows. Uh, I've told him about this. He has various shows that he has reservations for to have me bring him on so that will be coming uh whenever you know whenever we decide to do that so it's good times a bright future ahead of us and uh it's that's it guys for the episode and uh remember to check out the show on facebook at uh, www.facebook.com slash sweep delay podcast don't forget to follow on twitter at stl podcast don't forget to check out the facebook group we got the stl nation randomness group on facebook Go ahead and sign up, and uh, I will go ahead and bring you on. And uh, don't forget to check out the YouTube channel. Uh, that's the Sweep Delay Podcast. You just type that in YouTube. You'll find the channel. Been throwing up some reviews lately of some random movies. Uh, I'm going to be watching some Piranha 3 Double D tonight because I need a good laugh. So I might throw up that review as well later on. So that is it, guys. I hope you enjoyed the review of Faster. And uh, and don't forget to email in for the Expendables. I'm very excited for the Expendables. And 
everything I've seen off The Expendables 2, it could possibly be my favorite movie of 2012. Could. Big word. Could. Uh, but I, I'm excited for it. I can't wait. So uh, you guys take care. I will see you next week. Soon as out. Now go stand in the corner and think about what you did. Than you could say sabotage I never saw it coming Wouldn't have suspected it I underestimated just who I was dealing with She had to know the pain was beating on me like a drum She underestimated just who she was stealing from She's not a saint And she's not what you think She's an actress But she's better known for the things that she does Cause I like to rhyme her name with things But sophistication isn't what you wear or who you know Or pushing people down to get you where you wanna go I wouldn't teach you that in prep school so it's up to me But no amount of vintage dresses gives you dignity She's not a saint and she's not what you think She's an actress, whoa She's better known for the things that she does
nothing but faith in nothing Wanna put my tender heart in a blender Watch it spin round to a beautiful oblivion Rendezvous, then I'm through with you I burn, burn like a wicker cabinet Chalk white and oh so frail I see our time has gotten stale Go back to your family.